0: Appreciate y'all. So if y'all haven't gotten a chance uh, to meet me, like Pastor Casey said, my name is Alex. I get the honor and privilege to be the student pastor here. Uh, And I love it, and I tremendously say honor and privilege because to my wife and I, it very much is a privilege and it very much is an honor. If you have a student that is in our ministry, grandchild that's in our ministry, uh, or anyone that you know that is in our ministry, we want to thank you on our behalf. Uh, for trusting us with them and letting us love your children. Uh, Because we love that we get to do ministry. It's not something that we have to do or anything like that. Uh, Same thing with our leaders that serve alongside of us. Uh, They do an incredible job, a part of this ministry, and do so many great things. And we want to thank them as well. Uh, So I don't want the hand claps. I would like if y'all give our leaders that we do have that pour into y'all students a praise because they do an incredible job for them. So, like i said obviously i'm a student pastor here so we'll have different things i'm going to ask you guys be interactive with me that helps me out a lot pastor casey makes a lot of jokes towards me that my last church that we were at he always says church unlimited would clap for everything you can make any type of joke or anything and they'll clap that is so much what i'm used to and that helps me out and it also lets me know what's resonating with you guys so what i ask is inside of this sermon that is for you guys i ask, man if something is good say amen If something is fun, amen, come on, right away. If something relates to you, you can say, that is good. If something feels like the person that you brought with you today, you're like, man, that's for them. You brought your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, and you feel like, man, that one's for them. Today is the day that I'm going to give you all full transparency here. I've only been married for two years, so I don't know how much this gets you in trouble. Uh, But go ahead and throw them an elbow and say, that one was for you. So, full go. You can go ahead and practice that right now. Elbow the person next to you, say, this one's for you. Got you. So this one is for you guys this morning. So as we are wrapping up 2023, we know that tomorrow and the rest of this week is going to be filled with the same reoccurring question. And that question is going to be, what is your New Year's resolution? We're constantly going to get asked, what is our New Year's resolution throughout the rest of this this week and tomorrow? And we can expect that. Now, for all of us, we should have a resolution. We should have some sort of goal. But before we set those goals, we need to understand, well, what is a New Year's resolution? We know what a New Year is. We know it's just starting over another year. But what is resolution? The definition of resolution is this, a firm decision to do or not do something. A firm decision to do or not do something. So I ask you, what is is the resolution that you're starting to set for yourself? What is the thing that you're going to want to be looking at? Because as humans, we set resolutions every single year. Whether it's going to the gym, eating better, getting to work on time, whatever that might look like, we're setting goals. But the truth is, we kind of fall on those goals very often. Why? Because we're human. Because humans fail at our goals very, very often. But not only that, it's that sometimes we set our goals in the wrong things. Sometimes we set our goals in the wrong areas. We look at different things. So, this year, what my question is for you is this, and it is the first point. If you're taking notes, we'll have the Bible in the sky behind me. But it's this In the year 2024, where will you let God take you? In the year 2024, where will you let God take you? I want to ask you, where are you setting your goals? Your goals might be, man, I want to be more successful with my job. I want to be better with money. Maybe it's, I want to start coming to church more frequently. Maybe it's, I want a relationship. Maybe if you're that person when it's time to worship and praise, one trick that I was taught is when people are praising, they put their hands up, man, check out that ring finger. Maybe you're scanning the room and you're trying to see. Hey, that's advice. I see a lot of young people here today. You, Anthony, hey, look at the ring. So you might see that might be your goal for this year. If that's the case, cool, that's a really great goal, figure out all those things. But ultimately, before we set our goals and before we do any of those things, if we're being honest, we know that we should be seeking what this question says and where will you let God take you? In order for us to find out where God wants to take us, we need to figure out where he wants to guide us. We need to figure out the parameters that God sets for us to see what his vision is and what his goal is for our life. So I want to read the scripture to you. It's Matthew 6, 24, and it says this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So as we jump back to what that question was, the scripture teaches us that we can't serve both God and money. And what I want you to do is I want you to scratch out money. We cannot serve both God and our job. We cannot serve both God and our relationship. We cannot serve both God and the gym. We cannot serve both God and what other people think of us. We cannot serve both God and going to the bar. We can't serve both God and other things. Am I saying that you can't have a relationship? Am I saying that you can't have friends? No, not at all. What I'm saying is we need to put God as the priority above all of these things. We need to put God as a priority before we set our goals, before we see these things. We need to ask God, where do you want me? So now that we have the understanding of that, of, okay, it's not about what we want. If we want to set our goals, when humans set goals, they fall very often. God, what is it that you want from me? So I want to ask you that question one more time. In the year 2024, where will you let God take you? Where will you let God take you? You see, as we look at different things, you know, as humans, we can accomplish plenty of things. You see, it doesn't have to involve God for you to accomplish things. There's plenty of unbelievers— That accomplish things there's plenty of satanists there's plenty of atheists that are very successful in our world but in our goals that we set if we want to turn the ordinary into extraordinary we have to place god inside of that circle we have to place him in the priority and we have to seek him inside of these situations so as we dive into this and we break this down we try to answer your question of okay god what do you want me to do this year we're going to pray We're going to pray, invite God into this situation. Invite God into the questions that you have of, God, where do you want me? And let's roll into this. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing here. I ask that you speak through me, that these are not my words, but they're your words, God. I ask that you open up every single one of our hearts and call us out, God. If there's something in particular that any one of us are doing, Lord, uh, that you know in our personal life, that maybe is preventing us from what you're wanting, you call that out tonight or today, God. We thank you. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. So again, what does it look like for us to shift these things and place God at the the forefront of this whole situation? I can tell you for a lot of our situations, we're standing in our own way of what God is wanting us to do. And a lot of situations in our own life where we feel like, man, I feel like I'm really not landing that area with God. I feel like when I go to church, if we're being honest, for some of us, I feel like I'm going to church and I'm hearing a sermon And it's just not relating to me. I feel like I open my Bible and I'm just reading different names and it's not really relating to me. Well, the truth is a lot of times our own thoughts and our own desires are exactly what's standing in that way. I want to read this story to you about where Jesus performs a miracle. And I want you to see, I want you to look inside the story and I'm going to point out two different things inside of here. And I want to see if you can find them before me. It's in Matthew 20, 29. And it says this. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting on the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. It says, immediately they received their their sight and followed him. The first thing I want to point out is this. Just because others don't believe, just because others don't believe in the goals that God has given you, does does not mean that he gave you the goal. It doesn't mean he didn't give you the goal. I'll read that one more time. Just because others don't believe in the goals God has given you does not mean he didn't give you the goal. You see, as you set goals this year, there's going to be times that people tell you you can't do those things. Maybe yours is quitting a drug addiction. Maybe yours is stopping partying. Maybe yours is the way you talk. And any of those three things, as soon as you try stopping doing drugs or drinking, the people that you hang out with, they're probably going to be the first people to tell you, hey, let's go back out. Maybe as soon as you're trying to stop talking the way you're talking, you're going to hang out with those friends and they're going to say, hey, let's, let's listen to this song again. Let's go watch this movie. Maybe it's what you're doing in your personal life. Those people are going to be the first people that are in your circle that are probably going to tell you, hey, let's not do those things. The reason why I say it is because Scripture in this story does back that. It says in that same story, it said that the people that were with Jesus were the ones shouting at the men saying for them to be quiet. It was the believers telling the people, telling the men that were asking for Jesus to stop asking for Jesus it was the believers doing that first so one that's a quick call out for us that man, when somebody when we have a friend that is telling us hey I have this goal I want to start coming to church more frequently I want to give this thing up we're not called to laugh and make fun of them and say they can't do that and when our side conversations say they won't do that what we're called to do is see what Jesus did Jesus stopped and said what was it that you said ask me again there's another thing inside of that. When we ask Jesus for something, we don't get it. Does that mean we stop asking? No. Not at all. So we see that Jesus is teaching us inside the story even today. Just because you didn't get it today doesn't mean you won't get it the second time. So we see that inside this goal that we're trying to set is that just because it doesn't make sense to other people doesn't mean it's not from God. It does not mean it's not for God. The second thing is this. Ask God for sight. ...on what he's calling you to do next. You see, these men were very clear what they wanted from God. They were very clear. We want our sight. In the year of 2024, church, I want you to ask God, God, what is it you want me to do? Not only that, but ask for God to give you the clarity of what he wants you to do. It might not be something exciting. It might not be that he's telling you, hey, go and win the lottery. Hey, go to Vegas next month, start gambling. You're going to make a lot of money. That's our desire. But what God might be telling you might be something a whole lot more lowly, where he might start telling you, hey, start going around Austin. Once you see homeless people, what I want you to do is instead of buying you a coffee every day, buy one of them a coffee every day. It might be, hey, instead of throwing or taking that to-go food home from Chewy's that you got every single time, how about you go and you stop and you give that to someone else? You're like, well, God, that's my leftovers. God, that's my second meal. Calling myself out here. This is what Keanu and I do. Love Chewy's. But maybe you feel like, "Ah, God, that's a little too much. You wouldn't be asking me of that. Because a lot of times we tend to think that God, when he calls us to something, that it's something that is going to make us high and mighty, and that's not the truth. Truly do, when you ask this question by the end of this morning, I encourage you and my hope and my prayer is that you leave this challenged. I truly do believe that this is a message from God for you guys and that you leave here challenged. You leave here feeling, man, 2024 is going to be a year that I live different. 2024 is going to be a year that I start attending church every single week. 2024 is going to be a year that I start serving. 2024 is going to be a year that I start to love on my coworkers. 2024 is going to be a year that I give up those addictions. Because we see that this is what God is teaching us on how to do, is to ask for clarity, ask for sight. The next thing we see inside of this is that we must be clear in our ask and in our obedience. Clear in our ask and inside of our obedience. We see that inside of this where Jesus performs this miracle, that what do these men do right away? Right away, we can see Matthew 20, 20, 34, it says, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received sight and did what? They followed him. Nowhere in that story does it say, before Jesus performed this for them, they started coming to church. Before Jesus did this for them, they got baptized. Before Jesus did this for them, they started giving. no. Jesus performs this miracle, and they follow. They follow right away. It is with my full heart that I believe every single person in this room, Jesus has acted in your life in some way, shape, or form. Whether you gave your life to Jesus 70 years ago, or you gave your life to Jesus a week ago, or you don't even follow Jesus today. Jesus has done something in your life where you have seen something insurmountable happen that doesn't make sense you see I've met plenty of people where their lives have been changed through prayer I've met plenty of people where addictions have fallen through prayer I've met plenty of people where I've seen cancer healed I've seen marriages restored I've seen children come back home I've seen ministries restored did all these things happen as they were having this perfect walk with Jesus no See, the truth is, if we can just look at all these great things that can happen, a lot of us might also feel like, man, that is great that you say all of those things and that you've seen all of those stories, but my life looks a lot different than that. You might be sitting inside of this worship center today and you might have the heart of, man, you don't even realize, Alex, that I spent Christmas alone this year. My spouse died last year. I lost a child. Man, I just got divorced. I don't have a house. I don't have anywhere to live. That is so cool that you have all those things, Alex, to share, but none of that relates to me. What I want you to realize is that all the stories that we hear of Jesus and all those highlights, those are also highlights, but there's also situations inside our life that we have to understand that God uses every single situation in our life for a reason, specifically for a reason. The next point is this, and that's that God sees your situation. God sees your situation, whether it's in the highs or it's in the lows, you might be filled with hurt going into this next year, and you might lack any type of motivation. I want you to hear this, and this might be the only reason that you came here this morning, and that's to hear that God sees your situation. Psalms is very clear on this. If you're sitting in a situation of hurt, Psalms 56, eight says this, you keep track of all of my sorrows. You have collected all of my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. So you might not see the situation right now, and you might be hurting right now or the person next to you might be hurting right now and you might feel like nobody sees it. And like most of us, you might be coming into church every single Sunday and you put on that mask and you smile, you say good morning, you shake someone's hand, you raise a hand for worship. But the truth is, is you're hurting. The truth is you feel like, God, I don't know the last time you talked to me. If I can be honest with you, there was a long time in my life where I felt like that. There was a long time in my life where my prayers were, God, I hate you. There was a lot of times in my life where I cried and I knew there was a God, but I questioned so many times, how can you be so good but you let things happen like this? All of us at some point have felt that way. And the truth is that God uses all of these things. I remember being 6 to 18 years old, watching my parents' marriage fall apart from infidelity, from verbal abuse, from addictions in my family— I remember watching, I had an uncle that died from cancer at 35, and he loved Jesus more than anyone I know. And I remember thinking, man, God, this guy praises you. He tells you all the time and tells us, oh, I'm fine. My my terminal cancer, it'll go away. And I remember him having to tell his eight-year-old twins every single year, hey, your dad's cancer is back. I saw it get cured four times, and then I saw him die from it. And I remember questioning, God, if you are so good, you are so good, God, Why would you let kids' hearts break like that? And I remember questioning God so many different times. What I learned was that created the man that I am today. Those stories and that understanding. Do I know God's purpose inside all those things? No. What I do know is inside that situation, my uncle at his funeral, there was over 30 men that showed up to his funeral that weren't related to us. And what we had found out was that they were all cancer patients that came to know Jesus because of him. At the time, I was angry and I was frustrated. And I questioned, God, if you are so good, why would that happen? And God said, You see why. You might be sitting inside your situation right now wondering, God, if you are so good, why am I in this? He might not give you the answer today, but He will give you the answer. And though we might get frustrated, that doesn't mean we stop praying. Parents, I can speak to you in this room. If your kids were angry at you and you were angry at your kids, either way, you'd still want to hear from them. You still love them no matter what. We forget that he is our father as well. He still wants to hear from you no matter what. Even if your prayers are, God, I don't understand why you did that. God, I am so mad at you. Man doesn't hurt. And man does Psalms tell us that he keeps every tear in a bottle because there's purpose in them. There's purpose in every single tear that we shed. I told students this a few weeks ago, and I had told them that, man, imagine if every single sermon you heard, imagine if every single pastor that spoke had the same exact story. It wouldn't relate to you. It'd get boring very quickly. You could throw a sermon online on YouTube, that pastor sharing the same story. It'd get very boring. In the same exact way, you have a story that is different than everybody else for a reason. You might deal with, man, I was cheated on, I just went through a breakup, someone in my family took their life. Maybe you're depressed. Your situation might look completely different and you might have that heart of, nobody knows what I'm going through. Your story has a purpose. I tell students this again all the time. The same God that made mountains, the same God that said we need oxygen, the same God that said we need water, said that this earth needs you here. Your story has a purpose. He is not done with you yet. That's my last point for you guys, is that he is not done with you yet. Lynn is going to come out here and play behind me for a little bit while I continue to talk. But for a lot of us, we feel like, man, God, you're just done with me. That couldn't be further from the truth. Since I begin to wind this thing down and jump back a little bit to the holidays wrapping up. And us getting to start a new year and see all of this happen. One of my favorite things from this last week was getting to go and see family. Getting to go and see family, and if you don't know, I I know I look a little bit like between 12 and 15. Uh, I'm 25. Uh, So now that I'm a little bit older, I get to go and I get to talk with my family and I get to hear stories from them that they wouldn't have told me when I was younger because I was too young. A lot of weird stories. We talked to Kiana's family. uh, My wife, if y'all haven't gotten to meet her, we found out that her dad got stabbed one time. So if you've ever been stabbed, let your kids know. That's really important to them. Kiana was really excited to know that. It's a cool story, you know. Your dad's been stabbed. I don't know. Uh, But also, I got to talk with my family as well. And I got to find out that my grandpa had 13 brothers and 12 sisters. That's insane. That's something you would kind of tell a kid is that you have a lot of aunts and uncles. Didn't know that. I also learned that the 30s were probably really boring. Um, so if anybody's from there, apparently y'all just made kids back then. Um, yeah, a lot of kids. But I also saw all those different types of things. But it also got me thinking about whenever the day comes that I get to go to heaven. And all the questions that I'm gonna have for my family of like my grandpa, like, hey, how was there so many of y'all and how did y'all control all that? There's things like that that I'll ask my family. But it also got me thinking a little bit more about man, what are questions that I'm gonna have for people that say we get to meet people from the Bible? What are the questions gonna look like that we have for them? And it got me thinking more and more like what is what are these different things gonna look like when we get to sit down, we get to have a conversation and with some of the, the, the characters that we're used to reading about in the Bible, because the truth is they're all real people. And we get so used to this mindset of that these are just characters, and they're not, they're people. And who are some of the people that we're going to talk to? And I started to think about, man, I'm going to have questions for Abraham. Abraham, what was it like when you felt like God was telling you to kill your child? How scared were you during that? Or talking to Noah and having the conversation with him of like, what was it like? How did you continue to focus on what God is telling you when everybody was laughing at you for building a boat and it hadn't rained in so long? Some of us, maybe you'll have questions for Eve, ladies. Uh, There's going to be a long line for the questions for Eve. Um, get in line. I know Kiana already let me know she's in line for that one. Uh, but maybe you have questions for Eve and you feel like, man, I have so many different questions that I need to ask and get understanding from all these different things. Maybe it's Peter. What was it like to walk on water with Jesus? All these stories that we read in the Bible that are so cool and we like to continue to preach on them and do all these different things. But the truth is, one day we're going to get to talk and have these conversations and see what it was like and share that joy and have that excitement of, man, that's awesome. But then it got a little sad when I started to think a little bit more about it. I thought, man, what kind of questions are they gonna have for us? Cause it's not, they're not ChatGPT, we ask them a question, that's it. They're probably gonna talk back. And every single one of us will get to have these conversations most likely. And the questions that I began to think like, what are they gonna ask me was, man, Alex, I can't imagine what it was like having a car. You got to drive everywhere. Like, I'm sure you never miss church. Man, you, you had not just the Old Testament, but you had the New Testament too? You knew how the story ended? Man, I'm sure it was so easy to show your faith because you saw what God already did. Man, God blessed you financially. I'm sure you being, you know, gracious to everybody else, that was easy. I'm sure when it came time to give, last thing you thought about was money because God blessed you so much. Man, God gave you good health? I'm sure you took advantage of that. I'm sure you took care of your body. See, church, if we're honest, there's a lot of questions that are hard questions to ask ourselves. There's a lot of questions that will probably be asked that we're not going to want to answer. And my encouragement for you this morning is to not let these things make you dwell on them or have hurt or frustrations or feel like I'm calling you out because all these things are pointed to me as well. I tell the students all the time, I'm not preaching at you like this. I'm preaching at you with open hands because I'm not perfect either. And when we're able to be transparent and vulnerable and say, God, call me out, then we can truly listen to what God is trying to tell us. See, one of my favorite things I like to do, and the reason why I have this table set up, not just because it looks cool and whatnot, is that uh, one of my favorite date nights that Kiana and I go and do is, has anybody ever been to Fogo de Chao? Sit, Kiana, it's just us. Uh, so we love to go to Fogo de Chao. The way Fogo de Chao works is that they walk around and they have meat on like a rack. It's the weirdest thing, most American thing ever. And it's an all-you-can-eat buffet of like steaks, all these different things. And they go around and all you have to do is they give you this coaster now the way this coaster works is one side is green the other side is red now when you want them to continue to bring you food and to stop at your table as they're cutting it you flip it green you sit on the table and they just keep coming they don't even talk to you it's crazy if you want them to stop you flip it red and they stop church i believe that there are so many times in our generation today that just isn't focused, to a child, that God is trying to act in your life. God is serving you something and you might feel like what he is serving you is to break up with that person. What he is serving you is to give up that addiction. What he is serving you is to start coming to church every single week. What he is serving you is to start serving. And what we decide to do is we turn it red. So we think, ah, it's not the one that I really want. But when we say, hey, there's a block party. Oh, okay, I'll be there. When we say, hey, we're in a giving season where we need to start giving more, we say, oh, no, that's not me. When your girlfriend starts inviting you to church, you say, okay, now I'll take God serious. Oh, we broke up, oh, never mind. And we start to flip back and forth, deciding on what we want from God. When the truth is we have to get rid of it and leave it on green. You might not like it, But if it is from God, it is good for you. See, the next thing that I learned that Fogo de Chao is so inspirational and teaches you so many things about God is, hey, there's another reason to go. Hear that camera? Uh, But another thing that I did learn from that is I used to go all the time with my family and whatnot. We would drive up from San Antonio. We're from Corpus. So we had to drive everywhere if we wanted to get it or it wasn't going to be good. Uh, What I learned was that I would go by myself every now and again pretty lonely doing that. That's not fun. Uh, It's still fun, actually. Uh, But the truth is, once I started having somebody else go with me, having Kiana come with me, and then sometimes we'll invite our friends to come with us and go and just eat a bunch of food, uh, what I learned is that doing it with other people is a whole lot more fun. You can do things alone. That's great. You can do life alone. We see plenty of people do it and do well. But to jump that back, the thing that makes it better is doing it with somebody else. It's the same thing with your own life. You want to make your life a lot better? Start doing it with Jesus. Start turning at that table and saying, Jesus, what is it that you want to tell me instead of what I want? And truly start having that conversation and expecting an answer that you might not like. Not filtering it out. Because there might be many of us in this room today that, You've been doing life by yourself. You've been trying to live this lifestyle and trying to put up a facade that you're doing great. But the truth is you've been doing it without Jesus. You've been sitting at the dinner table by yourself, putting on that fake smile and acting like you're enjoying it. When the truth is many of us in this room have sat in that situation where we really weren't enjoying it. Maybe this morning all you're needing to hear is that Jesus has been pulling that chair out, waiting for you to come sit down with him. Church, I'd like to invite you to to bow your head and close your eyes. With every head bowed and every eye closed, my prayer is that somewhere inside of this, you heard God tell you what is your next goal. Maybe it's giving up something, maybe it's adding something. Maybe it's even just starting a relationship with him. A beautiful thing that we learn about Romans is that if we confess with our mouth and believe that he died and rose again from the grave, repent from our sins, which just means turn away, you have a relationship with him. It doesn't tell us that you have to take these 30 different steps. You have to become perfect in order to follow him. We see inside that story, Jesus doesn't tell him, okay, well, you got your vision, turn back around. I didn't say you could follow me yet. No, that's the same exact Jesus of today. He's telling you already, walk with me now. Maybe you're on the other side of that coin. You feel like, man, God, I have been turning the card red on you for so long. And maybe 2024 is the year that you start leaving that thing on green. And you tell the server, keep it coming. You start telling God, keep it coming. If it's a challenge, keep it coming. Challenge my faith today, God. Whatever it is, God is calling you to something next. He's not calling you to sit still. I don't care if you're 90 or if you're five. He's not calling you to sit still and do nothing. Something is next. Something is on the horizon. So, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity today. But I want everybody invited in on this. What we're do is we're gonna say a prayer. It's not a magic prayer. The thing that saves you is your faith. You believing is what saves you. So we're going to pray this prayer all together because I don't want somebody to miss out on saying this and having the opportunity to have Jesus in their life because they're afraid of somebody else hearing them. You can say, dear Jesus. You can say, dear Jesus. I realize that I need you. I believe that you died, rose again, proving that you are God. Ask you into my heart. Change me from within. Forgive me for my past, my present, and my future. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, if that was your first time saying that prayer, first time saying it and meaning it, on the count of three, with nobody else looking around, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Because I want to know who just made the greatest decision of their life. One, two, three. I see you see a few of you nobody else looking around see more of you you put your hands down that was your first time saying that Mm -hmm. prayer and meeting it i want to congratulate you on now starting that relationship and making the greatest decision of your life does it make it easy does it make it perfect no but you're not doing it alone i'm gonna encourage you to fill out the card we have cards that say i gave my life to you today put your number on there because we want to reach out to you we don't want you to just make the greatest decision and nobody speak to you That'd be a disservice. We're not just here to preach. Y'all can go ahead and look up. I want to encourage y'all, come back next week. Pastor Casey's going to be preaching on Jonah and learning a whole lot more about that story as well. But I want to encourage you as we jump into this next step of worship and Casey's going to come in here and say a few things. Take this next year serious. Set the right goals, but see what God's trying to set your goals at.